Welcome to church, everyone. Uh, we're unfortunately not able to meet in person today, but you know the Spirit of God is still with us and is still with you as you worship in your living rooms. We hope you are all staying safe and breathing easy, um, but we invite you to join with us as we sing and begin to worship this morning. tried to hide you and steal you away. Death tried to keep you inside of the grave. The enemy fought you. He tried, but he lost. Oh, you cannot be
Jesus has triumphed over the grave. Sing hallelujah, the battle is won. Nothing can stand against our God. Sing mover, mover of mountains, breaker of chains. Jesus has triumphed over the grave. Sing hallelujah, the battle is won. Nothing can stand against our God.
Johnsons. Thanks, Victor. Well, welcome everyone to Church in the Valley this morning. Uh, we wish we could be in person like Victor said, but we're grateful for the opportunity to be able to meet online. And I hope this service this morning is a real blessing to you. My name is Jeremy Walker, and I help with the First Impressions team here at Church in the Valley. And I want to just welcome you again and let you know about a few announcements as we continue with their service this morning. Uh, first of all, if you would like access to uh, the song lyrics as well as uh, the message guide, you can find that at CIVAlhambra.com forward slash Sunday. There is also a connection card online there as well that you're welcome to fill out and let us know um, if this is your first or second time. If you're a guest, welcome. And we're glad you're joining us uh, this morning. And you can also fill out on the back there uh, any prayer requests that you have on that connection card and let us know how we can be praying for you and your family. We'd love to be able to do that. As well, I wanted to let you know that uh, we are one week away from our fall groups uh, kicking off. They're going to be starting up next week, the week of September 20th. And we're offering three different types of community groups. If you are not currently enrolled in one and you like to plug in one, you can do that. We're going to have some in-person groups. We're going to have some online groups uh, via Zoom. And then we're going to have a hybrid of both for those that uh, want to attend in person while others can participate online. And unfortunately, although we typically do child care with those groups, uh, due to the current uh, COVID-19 restrictions, we can't do that currently. But um, hopefully in the future, as those get uh, lifted, we will try to provide child care. Um, you can also find those groups as well. You can sign up for them on your connection card, or you can just go directly to our website and check out those groups. There's a flyer online to let you know about the different group leaders and the days and times they meet. And so you can see which one works best for you. We're going to try to limit those groups to a max of 10 people. And so some of them are filling up fast. So if you haven't yet signed up for one, feel free to go online and find that. Uh, also wanted to let you know, we're going to be opening up an additional group in the West LA area due to just a higher demand of people on that side wanting to find a group. So if you're looking for a group on that side of uh, LA and have not yet found one, um, there's another group that opened up and you can go ahead and sign up for that online as well. Uh, we have one more additional announcement from Mark Klepsik, one of our uh, board of directors, and I would like to bring him up here to let you know about that. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, so, yeah, one other announcement this morning about the upcoming weeks. So, as you know, Adam Groza has been faithfully serving our congregation as the interim speaker for uh, several months, I think since late March when the COVID thing kind of uh, exploded. And um, I'm really looking forward to the message that he's bringing this morning uh, called A Church on Mission from First Thessalonians. Uh, un unfortunately, the, the, what I wanted to let you guys know is that Starting next week, Adam is not going to be available to speak here at CIV anymore. Um, he's found out about an opportunity uh, at another church in the Yucaipa area that um, is going through some transition periods and could really benefit from his giftings and skill set and experience and perspective. Um, and so as he prayed through that through the last several weeks, he's really felt that that's what God's calling him to do. Uh, that, that's not a surprise to us on the board. Uh, we've known about that, and he's been really upfront with us about that. We appreciate that. Um, and, and so I know that it's a little bit of a shock uh, for some of us here, but I wanted to um, just clearly communicate this morning, Adam, that we really appreciate just the diligence and the faithfulness, uh, the thoroughness, and the care that you've really shown our church family. Um, it's, it's been a real help in a time where we, we had a need 
Uh, you really generously filled that need, and we were grateful for you and getting the opportunity to know you and your family. Um, interesting times, right? We met Adam on our TV screens and phones and iPads uh, in the coronavirus lockdown. Uh, we got a time to get to meet him and know his family and get together. And then today, with the smoke from the wildfire, uh, we're not able to, uh, to be together. Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> that could have been a crash. Um, so our church family is probably processing this right now and thinking, okay, so what's next? Um, you'll be relieved to know that the board has been thinking through that same question. Um, we'll be hearing from some of our CIV leaders that are familiar faces to us, uh, that have spoken to us before. Uh, we're also lining up some other interim speakers uh, for weekly or, or series. And while that's not 100% finalized as of 9.17 this morning, um, we have a plan A and plan B in place for next week. And so as soon as that's firmed up, uh, we'll make that announcement uh, probably via email and on social media so that you know uh, who's going to be speaking to us next week. So um, we are also continuing to search for the permanent pastor. And so I personally would really solicit your prayers for wisdom and insight and direction and just real illumination from God on all of those matters. So let's go ahead and pray uh, as we begin to welcome Adam up again. Father, this morning we do pray for Adam, uh, for strength, for perspective, uh, insight, uh, just real uh, ability to be a help as the church goes through some structural changes and make some key decisions for the long-term life of that church. And just really thank you that you've uh, gifted him and provided him as a resource for that church. We look forward to the blessings and the, uh, the real success that you're going to bring in that church as you grow them and knit them together. Father, I pray for uh, CIV that you would just continue to um, provide for us as you have so richly, just for someone to bring uh, the message and to help us to apply your word to our lives, because we know that that's where the blessing comes from, and that's where we find your favor. This morning, I pray for Adam that... Um, you would speak clearly, that you would remove all of the distractions that we might have, and we would hear clearly from you as, as you speak through Adam. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, Mark. And it's strange to see you without a, a mask on. I, I, week after week, I, I hardly recognize you. I think there's quite a few of you that I've gotten to know and enjoyed our conversations, and if I saw you, at some point in the future without a mask, I might not, we might not recognize each other. But uh, thank you, Mark, for that announcement. And thank you, Jeremy, and thank you, Victor. Um, uh, but this morning, I just want to thank you as a church for being so warm and welcoming to me and to my family and to, uh, to the enthusiasm you have had for the Word of God. You know, when you stand up and preach God's word, you can tell if the people that are receiving the word are in fact receiving the word. And you are uh, a church that receives the word with joy and enthusiasm, and you've received me and my family with such warmth, and I want to thank you for that. Um, and if you're new to this church, I want you to know that Church in the Valley Alhambra is a church with strong roots, uh, strong leadership, a strong uh, desire to reach people with the gospel, a strong commitment to God's word, a strong commitment to discipleship and community. I can't say enough about this church and what a blessing it's been to me and my family. But this morning what I'd like to do is to leave uh, my time at this point with Church in the Valley Alhambra with uh, a message I've titled, The Church on Mission. 
church on mission. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 2 through 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 2 through 10. And I'll read this passage and then pray for us and we'll go ahead and get going. And if you're, if you're joining us uh, from home, you, I'm reading from the ESV version. And so if you're able to grab an ESV translation, it'll probably be easier to follow along. But whatever copy of God's word you have will work. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul writes this, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before God, before our God and Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. So we have no need to say anything. For, th- for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned from God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this church belongs to you. It is your bride. You paid for it with your blood. You love the church perfectly. Lord, in this passage, help us to love the church as an expression of our love for you. And help us to become more and more a church on mission that makes an impact. We pray these things in Jesus' name, by the power of your spirit. Amen. Well, as I transition out of my time of service here as interim speaker at Church in the Valley, Alhambra, and as you as a church transition to other speakers, and ultimately as you transition to a new pastor, um, I want us to think this morning about some reflection. Times of transition are naturally times of reflection, times of sort of healthy introspection as a church, about our role in the church as individuals, and about the kind of church we want to be. And in our passage this morning, we see a church on mission. And a church on mission understands why it exists and that it is doing what God intends for it to be doing. A church on mission knows why it exists and they're doing what God intends for them to be doing. They're not wandering aimlessly. They're focused and they have a purpose. And that's what we see this morning. And because of this, we see a church that's making an impact. A church on mission makes an impact. That's really kind of the big idea that I want you to understand this morning, that a church on mission makes an impact. And perhaps I need to start by saying mission matters. A a mission, let me define it this way, is a specific task or assignment that directs our time, energy, and resources. A mission is a specific task or assignment that directs our time, energy, and resources. In the movie 1917, it's a story about 
World War I, and there are these two young men that are sort of couriers. They carry messages from the command posts to the front lines. And in 1970, 1917, two young men get a message, and their mission is to deliver the message. And the movie, as it unfolds, shows the dedication of these two young men to their mission, and because of their dedication to their mission, they understand what they're supposed to do. They're dedicated to that task, and as a result, without ruining anything, they make a significant impact. And I think I can speak for all of us when I say we want to be a church on mission, and I think this is a church on mission, so please understand, I'm not saying anything this morning by way of correction. Everything I say this morning is by way of reminder and by way of encouragement. So from this passage, what does it mean to be a church on mission? Well, we're going to see four things, four things that describe a church on mission. First, a church on mission has a clear message, a clear message. I don't know if you noticed this in our passage, but Paul says in verse Five, he refers to our gospel. And in verse 6, he refers to the word. And in verse 8, he refers to the word that is sounded forth. And in verse 10, he talks about the message of Jesus who's come from heaven to deliver us from the wrath to come. And the first thing we need to understand is that a church on mission has a message. You know, the founding of the church in Thessalonica, which is the place where there's a church, and Paul writes this letter called First Thessalonians, there's two. You can read about the founding of this church in Acts 17. And basically the story is that Paul and Silas go to Thessalonica, which is kind of sandwiched between Berea and Philippi. And Paul and Silas go there and they preach the word for uh, for many days, and, and some of the Jews and leading women were told in Acts 17, verse 4 and 5, become believers. But we're told in verse 5 of Acts 17, that a group becomes jealous, and they form a mob, and they set the city in an uproar, and they attack Jason, whose home the believers were meeting in. And what ends up happening is that Paul and Silas have to leave Thessalonica kind of in the middle of the night. I trust you've never had to leave town in the middle of the night because a mob was after you. But if you had gone to a city to reach the city with the gospel and had to leave in the middle of the night because a mob was formed against you, you might consider your time in that city as something of a failure or something less than a success. Not true. Because a church on mission that understands its message is a church that is planting seeds which God will water and cause to bear a harvest. The Bible says God's word never returns void. The message of the gospel incites jealousy. It leads to a mob. And what I want you to understand is that a church on mission has a message, but it's not always a popular message. It's not always going to be well received. There will be opposition. The mission of being a gospel-centered church is right, but it's not always easy. Christ is our message. Christ is our message. We see this in our passage in verse 10. We're told that, that they, they, they report about the reception when they 
preach the gospel. Verse 10 says, and the part of that message was to wait for his son from heaven, whom he received, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. That's the message of the church. That Jesus saves, that he's delivered us from the wrath to come by his death and resurrection, by his stripes, by his blood, by his death on the cross. We are healed. We are delivered from sin and death. We are saved forever. And this is an important message. This message isn't, it involves the, the call to repentance. Notice in verse 9, it talks about how they turned from idols to serve the living God. So the, the message of Christ's deliverance comes with a message of repentance, which means that we're to turn from sin to follow Jesus. There's a, a fork in the road that Christ and the gospel represent. And our job as a church is to call people lovingly and, and patiently and graciously to turn from sin and to follow Jesus. That's the message. It is not always a popular message and it involves a decision. And in verse 5, we're reminded that it's a powerful message. Verse 5 tells us it's a powerful message. It comes in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And here's what that means, that when we focus on our message as part of our mission, we're sharing Christ, we're inviting people to make a decision to turn from sin and to follow Christ. It's, it's going to be challenging. There will be opposition. But that message comes with the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says this in Romans 1.16. says, we're not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Methods are good. Taking different creative approaches to ministry are good. And we should do those things. We should pursue everything with excellence. But the power unto salvation comes by the Holy Spirit through the message. Part of the mission is making sure we never lose sight of the message. In order to be a church on mission, we need to stay focused on the message. Preach it in love and live it with integrity. Which brings us to number two. A church on mission has a godly reputation. A church on mission has a godly reputation. Notice in verse three what it says. It says, remembering before God, our God and Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse nine, we learn how they turn from idols to serve the living and true God. You know, it's, it's important that we focus on this for a moment, that a church on mission has a message and has a reputation for godliness. You know, every church has a reputation whether they want one or not. And, and there's a lot of things that churches can get a reputation for. They can get a reputation for their music. They can get a reputation for their facilities. They can get a reputation for, um, you know, their, their programs, their speaking. And these things are not bad, but a church on mission isn't focused on these things. A church on mission, like the one we read about this morning, is known as a place where Christ is preached and proclaimed and people live out the gospel in faith, hope, and love. You see, that's the right reputation. The reputation that we as a church want to have, and I think have, but we want to recommit ourselves to it, 
is being a church that has a reputation for virtue, for character, for godliness, for integrity. And here's the thing. That only works when each one of us is committed to living individual lives of godliness, repentance, character, and integrity. Sometimes I, I travel around to college campuses, really around the country, and I'll talk to college students and they'll complain about the church, the church. And they'll talk about hypocrisy in the church and I'll sort of nod. And they'll talk about a lack of character in the church and I'll sort of nod. And of course, I, I know there's hypocrisy in the church and I know that there's ungodliness in the church. And, and, and when they're done talking, I'll ask them, how's your character? How is your godliness? How's your repentance? How's your virtue? You see, each one of us needs to be committed not only to the message, but to living it out in godliness. And, and, and a big part of that, again, is verse 9, is, is repentance. Does our message result in virtue and in practical obedience? That's the key. Paul is saying this church in Thessalonica, they not only had the message, but they lived it out in practical obedience. And that is what it looks like to be a church on message. You see, if our message doesn't result in virtue and practical obedience, then it's not worth much. Paul says faith without love is just noise. James says faith without works is, is dead. Jesus says you can tell a tree by its fruit. Paul, in our passage, says, brethren, we know, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. Right there in verse 4 of this passage, he says, brethren, we know God's election of you. How do you know? Did they walk around with like a name tag, Adam, chosen by God? No. Paul says, I can just tell from your lives, you receive the message, and it translates in practical ways into virtue, obedience, and repentance, faith, hope, and love. A church on mission has the right kind of reputation, a reputation for godliness. Number three, a church on mission is a blessing. A church on mission is a blessing. Look at verse 2. Paul says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. It's kind of an effusive statement, isn't it? We thank, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you, plural, in our prayers, plural. Paul is saying, I just, I think about you and I, I pray for you and I thank God for you. And just the thought of this group of people is, is, is a blessing to Paul. And this is a big part about what it means to be a church on mission. A church on mission means that we are focused on blessing others. We, we are grounded in the message. We are transformed by it and develop a godly reputation. And then we are focused on blessing others. That's the impact of a church on mission. That's the impact. That's the legacy these past couple months, I, like many of you, have been spending a lot of time at home and on Zoom calls. And you might have watched the uh, Broadway, uh, the Disney live version of the musical Hamilton maybe once or twice or 50 times like we have in our house. I've listened to that soundtrack so many times, it's just, it's just in my head. And in the song, The World Was Wide Enough, the, the uh, main character, Hamilton, asked the question, what is a legacy? And then he says... It's planting trees in a garden you never get to see. That's a legacy. Think for a moment with me 
about the legacy of a church on mission. Our legacy is not property, it's not buildings, it's not programs, it's not numbers, it's not a budgetary line item. Those things are important, but they're not the legacy. The legacy of a church on mission is people, is people. Why? Because people matter to God and people matter to us. Uh, when I think about, when I think about my life in, in churches that were on mission, when I think about my life and, and the life of my family, when I think about churches that we've been able to attend that are on mission, that are focused on being Christ-centered and godliness and serving and being a blessing, I think about churches that were filled with individuals that were, were committed to loving other individuals. Churches filled with people caring for other people. When you get to the end of your life and you look back on your journey with Christ, your mind is going to be filled with images of people, names of people. I don't think you're going to remember how good the coffee was on Sunday morning. I don't even know that you'll spend much time remembering those crazy months when we had to wear masks and meet inside and then outside and then online and mix it up. I think you're going to remember the names and faces of people that cared for you and discipled you and helped you to follow Jesus. People are the legacy. And when we as a church are focused on being a blessing to people, then we are going to make an impact because we care about the thing God cares about. We care about people. People are the impact. People are the legacy. That's the mission. Glorifying God by seeing people Come to know Jesus and follow him. Our kids, our neighbors, our grandkids, your co-workers, these are the people that comp comprise the mission field. And, and, and a church on mission understands that missions is not just something that goes on overseas or on a mission trip. Missions is what happens all week long when we're not gathered together. We, we come, we're refreshed, we're built up, we're energized, and then we spread, and we go on mission, and we seek to bless others. We seek to bless others through our godliness. We seek to bless others in love and faith and hope. We seek to bless others by telling them about Jesus, who saves us from the wrath to come. We try to love others in ways we would want to be loved, which is what Christ calls us to so we need to be a church on mission, understands its message, has a reputation for practical godliness, and seeks to be a blessing to others. So a church on mission, a godly reputation, a clear message, seeks to be a blessing. I said four things. There are only three. Forgive me, I just counted wrong. So those are the three things I wanted to focus on. Let me give some practical application from this passage. First, I think when you read a passage like this, everybody needs to think about ways in which they've lost sight of the mission. So I think maybe one of the questions you can ask yourself is, God, how have I lost sight of the mission? And maybe you've lost sight by just focusing on the things you don't like, focusing on areas of failure. Maybe you've gotten tunnel vision of criticism, and I don't think it's wrong to have criticisms or voice those criticisms in appropriate ways at times and places. But maybe you've lost sight of the mission in some way that you need to confess. And this is just a way where the Holy Spirit works in each one of our lives individually 
and leads us to a point of confession and repentance. Second, I think it's a practical step in response to this passage just to commit ourselves to this message. Commit ourselves to the mission, the message, the reputation for godliness, the desire to be a blessing to others. This takes each one of us. None of us can come to church and go, you know, you know, I wish these guys would do a little better job of this. It takes each one of us coming and focusing our hearts on Christ and, f- and showing up week after week and saying, who can I serve? Who can I bless? Who, who can I talk to? Who, who looks like they don't have anybody to talk to? Let me just encourage you what a blessing it is week after week to see some of you just go after somebody that looks like they're, they're, they're new. Just reach out to them and say, hey, this is who I am. N- nice to meet you. That's, that's what this is talking about. But we need to commit ourselves to that. Looking to make an impact by caring practically for others based on the message of Christ. And number three, let's pray that God would revive us individually in our faith and in our walk with Jesus. So that our individual revival would lead to a corporate revival. And by corporate, I mean our local church revival that God would even use to be a revival in the greater Alhambra, Pasadena area, on the campus of USC, maybe revival where you work, maybe revival in your family. We saw in Psalm 119 that God revives us through his word. And if you are a man or a woman of the word, hiding God's word in your heart, letting God's word illuminate your path, if, you, if you're doing that, it will revive you and God will revive us and then we can be a blessing to the community at large. But will you recommit to the pursuit of that individual revival that comes from the word? It's God's work of grace, but he does it through our efforts at just being in the word, waking up early to do that, being in prayer and practicing the Christian disciplines. And as we read about this, this, this church in Thessalonica that turned from idols, maybe there's something specific in your life that God is calling you to turn from. Maybe it's a, Maybe it's a habit that you know doesn't honor God. Maybe, maybe it's an attitude that you know doesn't honor God. Maybe it's a style of communication that other people in your life are trying to say, this doesn't honor God. I'm just asking you, in our pursuit as a church of being on mission and making a godly impact, commit yourself to the kind of revival where your life is on the line and you say, God, change me, lead me, guide me in any way you want. Just shine the light of your word by the power of your spirit into my life. Bring revival so that we can experience revival and be a church on mission that makes an impact. I think this church, Church in the Valley Alhambra, has a lot to celebrate. I say these things because as I think about Church in the Valley Alhambra, I think this is a church on mission. I get a clear sense that you are men and women who understand God's word and want to reach other people with it. And I see a church that practices in practical ways the call of discipleship and a church that wants to be a blessing to others. And so receive this message as a word of appreciation, a word of encouragement, and as a reminder just to continue to pursue not the world's idea of a church that's successful, but the biblical picture of a church that is on mission that's making an impact for Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your Holy Spirit has 
changed us. You, you brought us from death to life. You, you, you gave us faith to believe. You gave us, you gave us the grace to repent. And, and you continue to give us the grace to, to repent. You, you give us the, your, your spirit revival on a daily basis through the word. You, you give us brothers and sisters in this church on our journey with Christ to, to encourage us and to challenge us. And, and God, you have brought people in our life over the years. Even right now, we can think of people you've brought into our lives that have made a significant contribution and really impacted us for Christ. So Father, would you use us as individuals, as small groups, as a church, to be on mission and to make a lasting impact for Jesus Christ. By your power and to your glory, we pray these things. Amen. Thank you, Adam. We appreciate you. Um, let's take a few minutes to sort of reflect on that message that was uh, we just received. To ask those questions, to rededicate our hearts and our lives to the mission that we have been set forth to. blessing to those around us. And most of all, may you be magnified and glorified in our lives. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit, guide our steps, and that you would be with us as we continue to live lives that are honoring to you and glorifying to you. It's only by your spirit, only by your power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to Him. Oh. 
Until then, may God bless you richly. We'll see you then.